Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about when we talk about faith. At the beginning of the year, we started out with questions about what it means to be called. How has that evolved? Welcome to Round Hill Radio. I'm Leslie. I'm Ed. Hey, Ed. How you doing, Leslie? I'm so good. How are you? Doing well. Very good. So at the beginning of the year, we had a pretty popular episode. Yes. All about calling. Now, we've been talking about calling all year. All year long. All year long. Mm -hmm. And that's been taking a lot of different forms. And so we started out with questions about what does it mean to be called? Mm -hmm. How are you thinking about that now versus how you were at the beginning of the year? So the good news is I'm still thinking about it a lot, which is good, right? And uh, we haven't gone off topic. It's such a fascinating theme. And um, I would say that over the course of these past months, I've been learning a lot and learning all the time. So there's there's one thing in particular that I would share, and that is that I think that this whole topic of calling is both very interesting to people of faith and very elusive. Mm. Um, it, it, it sounds like something we should know something about, right? Being called by God, being called to something. Right. And we do use the language a lot in our culture, whether or not people are affiliated with the community of faith. People say, oh, I just felt called to do that, you know, or or something moved within me and I made this decision. So we have the language and we have the idea, but it still feels elusive in the sense that, is this something that I set in motion? Is it something God sets in motion? Is it something the universe sets in motion? Right. Uh, people I, I know love to use this phrase, I'm going to put this thought out to the universe and right. see what comes back. Right? They like, I think the big word is they want to manifest. That's it. Right. They want to have, think, think about something enough and often enough and yes. it will happen in one way or another. It will happen, right? Yeah. It's kind of the power of intention. So we believe in all of that, or we at least think we believe in it and we're interested in it. Mm -hmm. And yet we clearly have not um, understood it to the point that we can say, I know exactly what it means to be called. So I think we're trying to keep this conversation going, that it's interesting and it's elusive. I find it tough because, A, the word calling sounds like something very overt. It uh-huh. sounds like the like there's going to the phone is going to ring. Yes. I'm going to pick it up and someone's going to say this is what you should be doing right now with your time. At last. At last. I'm like, "Great, I can do that." Right. Right? But that's from what I can tell not how it works. It may not be. <laughs> so I think that's such a great point because when people think of well, let's say that when I have conversations with people in the church or with friends about this, that tends to rise to the surface. If there is a call to something, it means that it's been decisive, Mm -hmm. it's been clear, it may often involve uh, some level of sacrifice, and those elements are always assumed to be part of this thing called vocation, right? Mm I don't necessarily think that that's the case because I think one of in going back to your original question, how has my thinking changed over the course of the year? First of all, I think we can probably have more than one calling going on at the same time. 
Uh, we may feel called into a situation where we are loving our family and our friends, our church community and our wider community. That's ongoing. That happens all the time, hopefully, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but within that, there may be a specific calling to do something in some way. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, I had a friend, uh, Mark was his name, and uh, actually Mark was a very humble, very unassuming person. You would not have thought necessarily of him as a public leader, but in his own quiet way, he was very effective, and he had a beautiful family, and he was very dedicated to his work. And one day he came to me and he said, you know, I've been hearing that there's terrible flooding out in the Midwest. This was some years ago, they had awful flooding in Nebraska. And he said, I've learned that our denomination, the United Church of Christ, is asking for volunteers to go out and help, and I'm, I'm going to do that. Wow. I think that was a call within the larger calling of his family and work. And I remember asking him at, the, at that time, I said, and he had said that he'd been thinking of doing something like this for a long time. And I said, well, how did you decide was that this was the right time? And he said, when I figured out that there is no right time. Hmm. Oh, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? That's so great. And he said, this was something that needed to be done. They need help. I'm here and I'm ready to go and my family and my work support me. So again, I think I, now I start to think about callings as they don't necessarily come in sequence. Right. And they're layered on top of each other. And that one calling to go out to Nebraska didn't last forever. It lasted for a week, and he was part of a, a huge effort that involved a lot of people. But then he came back and returned to the, you know, the basic grounding of his life. So I'm I'm liking that feeling, you know, because it means that you can be doing more than one of these things at a time, but you're always always in the posture of listening. Yeah, I I love that, especially because I've always self-identified. As a musician, music, 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 and 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 making of music has always just been who I am. Mm -hmm. It was like I think it, to some degree, not necessarily a choice, mm. in the sense of like it was so that was so obvious to me. Mm -hmm. um, even from when I was very very young, it was just something that I just ha did and had and sort of had to do from an inside point, right? right? No one was making me do it. I yes. just, it was the thing I spent my time and I gave my time to. Mm -hmm. But now that I get older and I have, and there's, I've always been drawn to other things, other creative pursuits, other, um, you know, just uh, whether it be baking or mm -hmm. building furniture, or furniture finishing, or house DIY stuff, lots of different things mm -hmm. here and there. I always kind of feel like I'm cheating on my calling a little <laughs> bit. I always feel that little bit guilty that some days those other things are more exciting to me or drawing my passion and my uh -huh. my brain power and that creativity sometimes. And I feel... <laughs> feel a little guilty about it. <laughs> like you have to go back to your original calling and say, hey, let's spend some time together. Yeah, we're still, still good. We're, we're still friends. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think that's a great way of, of saying it and probably a really good way of describing what many people feel. I think, I love the phrase that you use, you, you are feeling drawn to do certain things. Mm -hmm. um, last year when I was on sabbatical, I think I might have mentioned this in the other podcast, that when I asked people to describe the things that are most compelling to them, they would often use the phrase, well, I'm right now I'm feeling drawn to, and then they would finish off that sentence. Yeah. Now, a lot of times they would finish that sentence by saying something that didn't necessarily have, let's say, an obvious benefit to the common good. 
Right. And I think this is another pressure that people feel when they use the word calling. It must somehow have something to do with the common good. I'm going to say that I think that if you're being called to be creative, and if you're being called to become more loving and more attentive to the world, they may not have an obvious, there may not be an obvious connection, but in the long run, it will play out. Mm -hmm. I think there was a time, especially when religious people used the word vocation, you know, the Roman Catholic Church that often meant to become a priest or a nun to join a religious order. That was very limiting. And if you couldn't justify that your calling, you know, made you into a little Mother Teresa or Mahatma Gandhi, then it probably wasn't a calling. Right. That, That pitched the expectation or the image so high that it really kind of made us lose all of the other ways in which we could be called in life. Um, I've known many people over the years who have been taking care of a loved one at home, and so they will sometimes say, have sometimes said to me that their lives feel a little narrowed uh, as a result of that because they're a little more restricted in their movements, for example. And yet they can have rich and wonderful lives in that experience of being together, navigating health issues, and that can be challenging, but again, it's something they're doing together, and still finding perhaps some way of reaching out to family and friends in a way that honors a different kind of calling. So again, I think we, if we can open our minds right, and our hearts to all of the many ways in which this, can, this, this experience of being called um, can be a reality for us. Who knows where it will lead? Who knows where the Spirit will take us? Right. right? And so on the other side of that, we were talking about sort of multiple and layered callings. Yeah. Can a person also be in between callings? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not sure I would have said this um, maybe a year ago even, but I do think that there are a lot of in-between times in life now. Um, times when people may experience the in-betweenness as a source of great frustration. Like, look, I want to be doing something, right? right? Help me. I'm, I'm waiting for my call. And that it impatience, right? Right. So that's a real test. Other times people use that in-between time to replenish themselves and regroup. So it's very valuable. Um, I think the one calling that's going on all the time, 24-7, 365, is the call to be human, right? To be, to be ourselves, and to be conscious of being ourselves. And that's, uh, that's just understanding who am I, you know? What am I as a person? What are my loves and what are, my, what are the things that, I'm, that are part and parcel of who I am? And you mentioned how that music kind of came naturally out of you. And that, I don't think those callings necessarily ever go away. We may choose to go in other directions, but those are always part of who we are. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are seasons of being in between some of the, some of the experience of being called, um, but at the grounding of it, you know, there's this phrase in the New Testament, being rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus, I think is the phrase that's used in one of Paul's letters. You get the sense that there's always this nourishment that's coming into our lives. Maybe part of our calling is simply to be aware of that. That's grace. Mm-hmm. There's all, we're, we're, we're receivers before we're givers in some sense. And so to be called isn't just to jump up and do that next thing. It's also to think about how am I being in a position now where I'm called to be aware of that grace that's always coming into my life. I love, too, thinking about that <clears throat> in a slightly different way. In the call to be human also 
in the call to learn how to love yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I was just thinking about this Instagram account I follow called iWay. Hmm. And what it's doing, its mission, its its goal is to flip on its head, uh, especially for women in today's culture mm-hmm. that we are valued by how much space we take up in this world mm-hmm. and by that number. Mm-hmm. And so it started as a way of saying, what do I weigh? I weigh generosity. I oh. weigh good listening. I weigh um, my wonderful friends. And that all the things that make up who we are, that what that is what makes mm-hmm. up what we weigh and what our value is mm-hmm. to ourselves and to our community. Um, and Count, it's been counterintuitive. It's it, I I'm so obsessed with it because it is so helpful to yes. me and just saying I breaking you know I'm breaking up with society's expectations of who I am and that loving myself is the healthiest thing I can do for mm. myself. Um, it's just I think it's totally incredible and the idea that we are we to love yourself and to really f- be accepting and loving of who you are. And authentic to who you are can then be a gift and then be a calling to then move outward. Like you're saying, you have to go inward first sometimes. Right. And I found that to be just incredibly helpful. Isn't that a, I, I love that idea. And, you know, sometimes the, the one of the compliments that will be paid, that people pay to another person is that they'll say that person has gravitas, you know, that there's mm-hmm. kind of weight. Yeah. It's it, And here's a wonderful way of defining weight. And using it, which is such a complicated idea in our culture, right? And right. so so very much abused in so many ways. Yeah. This is a really positive definition. And that's another interesting way of, I think, of looking at what it means to be called. Uh, yeah. And, like, and that, that's, that's another word that can sometimes be complicated and difficult. And yeah. like you said, has many expectations of of what we think it is and how we've encountered that word over the years. So we talked about sort of calling which I'm mentioning vocation, sometimes career mm-hmm. is all part of that. Do mm-hmm. you think of those similarly or are they different? How do, you, how do you view those? Yeah, you know, I think each of those words is worthy of its own exploration and they have shades and nuances that are a little bit different. Um, you know, I think in our culture, it's interesting, I think I've become a little suspicious of the word career. Mm. Uh, sometimes that whole idea of the career path means that you might be traveling down su- down the road that's paved with someone else's expectations. And I think we have to be very mindful of that. It's not that the idea of career in and of itself is a negative one. But quite often, I, I sense that that notion of career is really consumed with the idea of one person's journey. Mm-hmm. You know, often to, to meet some of those measures you were just talking about that are not necessarily healthy, right? right? right. We, call, we talk about ticking off the boxes in our culture, right? You get the home and the certain salary and so on and so forth. And then lo and behold, people wake up one day and say, I'm not really sure that that was my journey. Um, well, hey, we hope that people do wake up to that if that's the case, mm-hmm. right? So I, I'm... I'm liking this word calling the more and more I think about it. Um, I think that vocation is a word that people really struggle with because there, there's still enough resonance in our culture with some of the old ways of thinking about that. Um, you know, when I was in high school growing up in Vermont, we had what was called a vocational wing at the high school. And that was where the automotive department was, the metal shop. Those were all basically trades or trade-oriented disciplines. 
And there was sometimes a negativity attached to that. You know, the vocational school was somehow different in quality to what the rest of the school was doing. Right. And I think that's incredibly unfortunate because we have so many people in our world gifted in so many different ways. And we want to be finding, we want to create educational experiences that help to draw that out. Well, I think that's so interesting because <laughs> now, because I think of that stigma, there aren't enough plumbers in the world. There aren't enough people who right. do things that are so important to keeping our world balanced and going yeah. that most of us have no idea what how to do it. It's like this magical, got it. magical, mystical <laughs> skill, right? And then now and we have to go to YouTube to figure it I, out. Well, yeah, for what it's worth, and then you end up flooding your kitchen. That's a very personal example. There you go. Um, <laughs> but that that idea that you know it's it, it it's fraught with complications, yeah. isn't it? A few years ago, there was a book that came out by a written by a University of Chicago professor. I think he's in their philosophy department who owns a motorcycle shop in Chicago. Yeah. And he's a huge person, a fan of motorcycles. So he started this shop also as a place where people could come and be employed and learn about the craft of doing all of that work on those machines. And he wrote a book which is entitled something like Work Craft as Soul Craft. Mm. And I love that because, you know, work can be so healing and redeeming and renewing. And he was trying to give honor to a particular part of it, but saying this is something that, you know, whatever we mean by soul, it's just that innermost part of our being that's uniquely ours, but also in a sense connects us to everything and everyone. Um, work can be the thing that deepens our sense of our own soul and being. And that's definitely a calling to figure out, you know, how what that is and how that changes as life unfolds. Definitely. And there's also been a big resurgence of what they're now terming making. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's, um, you know, there's the big maker fair in mm. San Francisco. Oh, and in defining what making is, which um, Adam Savage, the big Pied Piper, sort of of this movement okay. of Myth, Mythbusters fame, mm -hmm. um, says it, it, making anything from where there was nothing. So mm. if it's making furniture or coding or writing poetry or, 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 mm -hmm. or, then this is wonderful resurgence of that. Um, and they're creating maker spaces all over the country where people can come if they don't have like, for instance, access to a workshop in their sure. house, they can come find inspiration, find community. I'm really in to this right now i've been listening I'm to sensing some energy it's so fun i've been listening to his new uh his new book via audiobook because that's all i you know i love to listen to audiobooks in my car and his his book is entitled uh every tool is a hammer which to me as also a top gear fan made me instantly think of jeremy clarkson because how do you fix it you hit it with a hammer which does occasionally work <laughs> I have found. Um, <laughs> but the idea that, that creating is, is opening up something in people, yeah. a creativity and access to using your hands in a way that our culture has lost. Uh -huh. And people are connecting with it on a visceral, excitable level. Um, and I think that's really... Really, really cool and really exciting for... That's encouraging. Yeah. You know, I know people who, when they get up, they have their little morning routine, and maybe it's to make the coffee or make a pot of tea. And just those basic actions, which are related to making, mm -hmm. uh, they stimulate something. 
Definitely. Right? And so to me, this whole notion of creating the routines and habits that allow that creative energy to flow, um, creative energy of love and everything else that's associated with that, that's so important for us. And it's just exciting to see people connecting with it again and connecting with the things that bring them and others joy and meaning and connection. It's just so exciting. Yeah, I Um, agree. Do you have a thought for the day for us today, Ed? Uh, Years ago, I heard a youth group leader speaking in front of a whole room of uh, teenagers on a youth event, and he said, I just want you to remember that you are loved by God and needed by God. And I think if we can keep in mind that part of our calling is to recognize that we are loved and that we are needed and the Spirit will help us to find a way to connect ourselves to a way to help the common good, That's a great gift. We are loved by God and needed by God. Thanks, Ed. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the members and friends of Round Hill Community Church. You can find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and roundhillcommunitychurch.org.